0: I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. May the grace, mercy, and peace of God, given to us through the word of God, fill our hearts and lives who overflow with the joy of being in our Father's house. Amen. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, at times... dynamically and pointedly, but at the very same time trying to put into words the greatest news known to mankind. In the Greek, our epistle text today, verses 3 through 14, are one single sentence. This divine wordiness has a name, a gospel and which literally means an oration of ideas and thoughts of praise or good news that pile up and spread out until it fills the space to overflow. So today the Apostle Paul gives us a gospel pangyra, an overflowing of words that just must be spoken. Now why is that important? Why do you, why do you know that this is a pangyra? because when we read the letters to the Ephesians we need to know the manner in which it's shared if you want a, a picture of it, picture this similar to when two friends who haven't seen each other or spoken for a long time finally get together, finally get to catch up on everything that's happened since the last time they talked. when that happens, it's not a time for complete sentences, rather you just let loose and just wait to share everything with your friends. Well, on this second Sunday after Christmas, we are Paul's treasure friends. And he has a gospel panegyric, a message overflowing with truths that just must be spoken to us. And these truths are all centered around one point God has chosen. God wants us to be his own. And we are chosen by not, we are not chosen by the law. Okay? We're not chosen by the law. As though you and I are chosen over and above somebody else. But rather, we are chosen in Christ by the gospel. Enough! how blessed we are in Christ. That we have every spiritual blessing, that God saw your face, my face, all the faces of all the believers before the foundation of the world. According to his love and purpose, we are predestined to be God's children. We have forgiveness of all of our trespasses. We're lavished with the riches of his grace, given wisdom and insight to actually know the will of God. All of us, all of this is sealed through the promised word of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are chosen. We are chosen. It's all about God. Not about us. And that's big news. That's good news for us. That's worthy of an overflowing of gospel words. Because if our being chosen is about us, then we're all in the same boat. And that boat is condemnation. It's a sinking ship. Because absolutely no one is chosen by God according to their works or according to their worthiness. You know, the first century church at Ephesus was surrounded by all kinds of cults and mystery religions. For the starting point and the fulfillment was always in themselves. It was all that mind, we see the world really hasn't made too much progress Paul's gospel panegyric has a completely different focus. Where the starting point and the fulfillment are all in Christ. In Christ.
1: Who has already lived the perfect life
0: they could not live. Who already died the death that paid for the sin of the world in full. He's already risen victorious from the grave and lives and reigns to all eternity to make the wisdom of God known to all those (coughs) who believe. This message that you believe this morning is a message that's radically different from most of the world. And the reason that it's so radically different is because it's all about Christ, not about you. And an acid test for this is to simply ask the question, how do you know what happens when you die? Because the answers to that question will either have a starting point with the person or a starting point with God. If the answer starts with the person, it will ultimately be wrapped up with personal opinion, personal accolades and accomplishments. It will most likely ultimately end in a question mark. But if the answer begins with God, if the answer begins with our triune God, it will be 100% Christ. His life, his death, his resurrection. The Holy Spirit giving us faith to believe in Christ and the Heavenly Father providing and sustaining us as his beloved children. And it ends with an exclamation point because of the certainty that we are indeed chosen in Christ. And that truth sets you apart. We have been chosen by God. And commitment is our response to his choosing. The commitment is found in a relationship whereby our entire lives are filled with praise as we, in our person, with our lives, through our growth, reveal the will of God to the world whom God desires to save just as much as he desires to save us. We rejoice with one another and encourage one another, let us go to the house of the Lord. We look at our gospel text and we see that as at age 12, an age when a lot of times in the world today, parents will say, what are we going to do? I'm not going to force my child to come to church. They're old enough to make that decision on their own. At age 12, Jesus was saying that his heart burned to be in his father's house. His ears couldn't hear enough about God's promises and God's will. On this first Sunday in 2022, is that where your heart is? We must confess that oftentimes it isn't. For what have we ever done that we should be chosen by God? We're prone to sin. We are rebellious, rebellious by nature, more willing to follow our own hearts than to be led by God. And the people that Paul spoke to were no different. But that's the reason for his wordiness. He couldn't narrow it down to just a few words, the overwhelming and overflowing notion that in Christ, God's love is such that he sees us in our sin. He sees us deserving condemnation and eternal death, but instead he reaches out to choose us in his grace through his son, Jesus Christ. And that choosing, his choosing of us gives every moment of our lives defining purpose. Unlike Paul, Luke, without any detail whatsoever, is able to fill in Jesus' young life with the words, Jesus grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Basically, Jesus' young life is reduced to the fact that he had to be about his father's business. And it had to, didn't come from an outside force or influence, but rather by the purpose which defined him. The purpose of his life in the flesh had to do with that which was from God. Jesus went through life with the knowledge that the the men and women with whom he interacted would be the men and women for whom he would lay down his life. Every step of his life from the cradle to the cross was defined by God's plan, God's plan of redemption. His desire to be in relationship with you and me. As those who have been chosen, we have the same defining purpose, to live in relation to God and his perfect will. Now, as we look in our gospel text, we saw Mary and Joseph losing the son of God and leaving him behind. And it's sometimes easy to kind of bash Mary and Joseph. How could you lose the son of God? But instead of bashing Mary and Joseph, we need to realize that all too often we do the same thing. It really isn't that hard to do. Our lives are certainly filled with a lot of responsibilities, a lot of decisions and priorities, all good and fine things. But we can leave Jesus behind even, because even these good things aren't necessarily Jesus' priorities. Again, we must confess that all too often our prayer life Falls short. All too often, we don't spend the necessary time in God's Word and in devotions. Sometimes we see spending an extra hour and coming to church on Sunday morning for Sunday school and Bible study to be a burden rather than a necessity. We need Jesus. And while people in the world may look for Jesus in so many different places, whether that be emotional experience or self-help theology, we see that Mary and Joseph found Jesus right where he told us he'd be found, in his father's house. And think about it this way. If learning more about God was a priority for the Son of God, shouldn't it be a priority for us as well? Jesus put everything on the line, including his life and death on the cross, just on a word from God. God's chosen are expected to grow in doing the Father's business. What was Jesus doing as the Son of God? Today we see he was learning. The omniscient, all-knowing, even at age 12, was increasing in wisdom. And so know this. When Jesus was on the cross, it wasn't made easy by his understanding that he would rise again. No, he went to the cross trusting that God would raise him. Trusting because God promised to do that in the scriptures. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have that very same source of confidence for our lives. We have that very same source of comfort. We have that same word of God. God expects us to grow and increase in wisdom because we, we can't help but grow in doing our Father's business. In response to Paul's panegyric, God desires that we grow and increase in Christ. In <clears throat> parents, grandparents, the growth expected by God is intentional because it's His purpose for our lives. We are to revel in the wisdom of God so that we overflow with words and a gospel message that simply must be spoken. And of all the things that we can provide for our children and our grandchildren, all good and fine things, there is nothing better, there is nothing more important than intentionally taking them to the word so they can increase and grow and mature in the Lord. It won't just happen one day by surprise. As God's chosen ones, we are chosen with a purpose. So that as we go about the intentional business of our Father, in our entire lives bearing witness to the good news, that others will see your life overflowing with the gospel. An outpouring of life-changing, priority-altering, and a joy-filled message that simply must be spoken. As we grow in wisdom through God's word, we are blessed through the body and blood of Christ given and shed for us. As we do that, may we always know, as Jesus knew, the importance and the joy of being in our Father's house, receiving his gifts of grace. Amen.